Hi there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 546 of the Duke Basketball Roundup. It was a big weekend, people. There was a lot going on. We got a lot of hot takes to give you about the stuff that was going on. I am Jason Evans. I'll be your host on this edition of the DBR podcast. Joining me, my two buddies, my partners in crime, Donald Wine. Donald, how you doing this evening? Uh, I'm doing okay. I went up to Baltimore for the Lions-Ravens game, and if anyone knows, that was not fun for me uh, because the Lions took a huge L. Um, but that's what the Lions do sometimes. And you know what? Football's football. We're going to get back up tomorrow. We're going to get back right at it. There you go. And Sam Klein is with us. Sam, looks like it was an interesting weekend for you. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i I'm not going to hang for too long. I don't know if you can tell. My voice is a little shot. I uh, was at a bachelor party this weekend for one of my uh, closest uh, lifelong friends, a guy I've known since I was like five years old. And uh, anyway, we got after it. It was pretty fun. But uh, I feel like I'm going to curl up and die now. So um, <laughs> I did I did manage uh, to watch both Countdown and the football game this weekend. So if you want, I can give you my my quickest version of takes from each of these. And I'll, and I'll let you guys handle the longer conversation, if that's OK. When we start, I with think that. that is a. That is a fine idea, sir. Go ahead and give us what you will and then get that head on a pillow and rest. Well, Sam Klein, take it away. All right. <laughs> Countdown. Um, I hope we're gonna I hope we're gonna get into what is the big man rotation looking like. I, I think the the biggest high level takeaway is Christian Reeves was starting in this game. Sean Stewart was not and uh was coming off the bench. Um, I know we uh, in addition to TJ Power, I know that we've talked a lot uh this offseason about what exactly is John Shire going to be doing around Kyle Filipowski in the big man rotation? And I feel like all uh, that we saw on Friday night complicates that. So hopefully you guys get into your, I, I don't have answers. I, I, I only honestly continue to have questions. The guards I'm very excited about. I think we mentioned on recent episodes that uh, Duke's guard rotation looks incredibly deep this year and a lot of different pieces that, that John Shire I'm sure is going to be excited to mix and match. On the football side, um, I, I don't know where we're at with thinking that maybe putting Riley Leonard in there wasn't the best idea on Saturday against Florida State. It seemed like he had moments where he knew what he was doing, but also like he was still pretty rusty and maybe he he hurt himself again. So uh, I, I, I don't take away from that game that Duke was not able to be competitive with Florida State, just that maybe the quarterback situation was a little bit out of our control and hopefully uh, Mike Elko is able to turn it around and install a, a, you know, a good game plan to go up against Louisville, because quite frankly, I still feel very positively about this Duke team. I thought that they handled a lot of punches in the mouth against Florida state pretty well. And uh, I think they're going to continue to be competitive the rest of the way. Sam, I love it. Great stuff, sir. <laughs> now Am you I may right? go did away. I get all, did I get, did I get all the answers right? Did I pass the test? A plus. You did. You did, sir. Yes. A plus. Uh, go away. Rest luck, yourself. We will. I'm sorry. I said good luck. <laughs> Thanks. We will be talking to you later. Donald, now it falls to you and me. We have to now uh, discuss uh, the two big stories from the weekend. And we're going to start with countdown. Um, not because it. the not because the football team lost, but just we are we are the basketball roundup. So let's start with the basketball. The uh, white team defeated the blue team by a score of 33 to 18. If you had white minus 15, you uh, just barely, you you, you did not cover. Um, uh, Donald, let, let me start with this. When you saw the rosters, when you saw the break, the breakdown of which, who was on which team, uh, I, I don't know about you, but I looked at it and I went, Tyrese Proctor, Kyle Filipowski, Jeremy Roach on the same team. I think those might be the three best players on the team. Why are they playing together? <laughs> I mean, uh, I was not at all surprised that the white team won this one going away. Yeah. And they kind of split it up, you know, you know, sort of evenly, at least they, they tried to, but Jason, before we actually get into the meat of the men's portion of countdown, I want to pause. I want to put a timeout on that because I want to talk about just for a minute, uh, a couple of things that kind of preceded that first, the women 
please. Yes, you're right. Yeah, first, the women were part of Countdown. And, and if you turn, tuned in at 7.30 p.m. on the East Coast uh, or 7.15, whenever, whenever ACC Network kicked in, it started with the women's team. And look, the women's team, they are missing one player, Vanessa DeJesus, who uh, hurt her knee in the offseason and is going to be out for the rest uh, for the entirety of the season. But hey, even though this team really is 10 deep, this team is loaded. I am really, really excited about being able to see Jaden Donovan for the first time. She's their our heralded recruit coming into this class. The whole class has been great, but she's the heralded recruit. I, I just want to mention her. Also, I want to mention uh, on Twitter, you might have seen me going over some of the uh, some of the intros that some of the players did. You know, one of the best ones, probably the best one, might have been Luchi Okinawa with her backflip intro uh, when she got introduced. I thought that was pretty cool. So I wanted to shout out the women's team because they don't get a lot of love, but they deserve it. And also, they're going to have a pretty awesome schedule coming up, especially the non-conference schedule. Looking forward to watching to see how they take flight as the season starts. They're starting literally in Cameron that after, that morning uh, that we play Dartmouth or the men play Dartmouth that night. So it's going to be a doubleheader in Cameron that day. It's going to be a really, really cool, uh, cool thing. And honestly, I'm hoping for this women, this women's team to really take flight and do a lot this season. Yeah. So uh, I I also watched the game, and I have to say, um, it's it's tough because just like last year, it appears that the hallmark of Carol Lawson's team this season will be that they are really, really good on defense. Mm-hmm. And maybe not as strong on offense. We saw that a year ago. I think that we, uh, you know, we got more hints of it in this in this game. They they struggled. You know, they they really struggled to score early on. But uh, it, it was it was very fun to watch. Um, they they they've they you know you you mentioned Jaden Donovan. Um, you know, this team also has I, I forget her name, but there's someone on the team who can dunk. Um, I th- I think it's Ken- uh, Kennedy Brown. Uh, can can actually dunk, and I'm mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, and maybe someone else. But anyway, she's the tallest player in the team, so I think it's her. But I've seen footage of her dunking in practices. So a, a dunk is a rare thing in a women's game. So that's that's really cool, and uh, they're going to be exciting. They're going to be a uh, you know a team that competes for the ACC title again, uh, as they did a year ago. And and Kara Lawson's got that program moving in the right direction in a very very big way. All right. Uh, so wait, one last thing. Get... One yeah, last go. thing I want to do. This this kind of segues into the men, uh, because I know we're gonna it's gonna get lost in in the sauce of us talking about countdown. But on Friday, before countdown began, Duke men's basketball announced that John Shire had signed an extension through the 2029 season. Uh, again, first of all, I, it was it was reported as a six year extension, so I know he didn't have a two. No, it's it's not that, that that's that's it, well, yeah. No, Jason, what I think what happened is is they took the original contract and ripped it up and said yes. this this extension starts now because it's a six year deal. Everyone does the math. Six years from now is twenty twenty nine. So, but hey, great great idea. Also, if you think about it, it keeps in line with the extension that Duke gave uh, Mike Elko in football. Yes. So they both yes. expire around the same time. I believe Kara Lawson's contract, uh, it, it was extended to like 2027 or something like that a couple years ago. So, hey, this is great for Duke basketball, obviously well-deserved. And now we have a moment where we can say, hey, this is John Shire's program. That's kind of what this said as we led into Countdown, which is why I wanted to segue into it with that. Because now when we look at this and some of the elements of Countdown that we're going to discuss we're clearly John Shire elements, and they are going to the fact that, hey, this is his program now. He can put his stamp on it, and he is free to do with this program and take it in the direction that he thinks it needs to go. Well, so, Donald, you, you've taken control of the podcast. I thought we were going to talk about Countdown first, and then we we're going we to do, like, the introductions. We're going to do the women. We're going to do John Shire. I had it all on my menu, man. It was all there. But you went ahead and did it. For, that's fine. It's fine. No problem. They're important. They're important. Yes. And look, whether we get to it now or whether we get to it in 20 minutes, not that big a deal because all of you out there are listening to every single second of the podcast, right? No one's skipping. You're not skipping at all, right? This is no skip episode. (laughs) No skip episode. Exactly. Uh, All right. So I tell you what, let's keep with the theme of we're holding off on the actual play (laughs) and get to the introductions. And I know you are the expert with the, the introductions of the players. But I'm going to give you a couple comments first, because I'm sure you'll have much more to say than I do. I, I want to give a hat tip 
first of all, to Mark Mitchell and Neil Begovich, who both chose like pop songs that everyone in the crowd knows really. Taylor Swift, Miley Cyrus, Party in the USA. The crowd was rocking for those two. And, and, uh, and those guys got the memo to get the crowd involved, even though neither one of them did very much dancing. <laughs> the dancing was Jared McCain. My, my man did yep. not disappoint. This is a dude who has millions of followers based on his dancing. You could tell. He, he knows how to dance. And then the other one I wanted to shout out, and everyone's talking about it. Like last year, Stanley Borden pulled out a saxophone and played the sax. And you're like, well, there's no way he can top that. Oh, yes, he can. Stanley Borden rapidly becoming one of the most beloved walk-ons in Duke history as he joins with a Duke acapella group to sing Forget You. Stanley, I, I am dying to see what he has, you know, in his hat next year. We may not see him in games very much this year, but Stanley Borden is a staple of the CTC introductions. It was awesome to see him do that. And uh, again, to show love to, I, I don't know, they didn't announce which group uh, did that uh, with him, did the song right. with him. Uh, so if anybody knows out there so we can properly, you know, give them their their due, dbrpodcast at gmail.com. But that was awesome. It was it was easily the highlight night for me. I also thought Jeremy Kane doing his uh his dance uh to I just want to rock very very good very in in tune. Hey, you mentioned uh you know you mentioned Neil Begovic and Mark Mitchell did a couple of songs that you know I call them karaoke songs right karaoke song you don't need to actually do the song but if it's popular enough everyone will exactly. do it for you right. Another one. Ryan Young did came out to Mr. Brightside. Like that's right, exactly. He, ain't nobody and, and and I think uh Jeremy Roach ended with We Found Love in a Hopeless Place by Rihanna. Ain't nobody like those are those are staples. There's there's a few Jason that they that came out to songs that I know and probably you don't. <laughs> but that's cool. I, I thought they were all really good. <laughs> and and again, you get a little bit of the personalities of these players and you get to, you know, again, they get to introduce themselves to the, to the student body and to the, to the nation really uh, for the first time. I think honestly, Jason, there's one song that may have skipped over some people's heads. Christian Reeves. He came out to uh, Drake and 21 Savage, Rich Flex. And if you think, if you listen to the lyrics of the song, the first one, first part of it says 21, can you do some for me, which is Christian Reeves Jersey number. So that was nice. a, that was a nice little little thing where he yeah you couldn't really see the jersey underneath his shirt but yeah that was cool but I think all of them were awesome. All right, so uh, I think that is an appropriate place for us to now move to the actual competition that we saw the actual game and seeing as you were talking about Christian Reeves, this has to be where we begin, as Mister Reeves goes for eight points, seven rebounds, three block shots, one very sweet assist. I mean. I probably was more impressed with that assist he had. Uh, it, it was a play where he was a little bit off balance under the basket. And I thought he's going to try and go up and it's going to get blocked or he's going to try and go up and he's going to like, you know, block it himself on the rim. It was one of those, you could tell he was off balance. He wasn't going to get a good jump. And instead of going up, he found Jeremy Roach wide open in the corner for a wide open three, which Mr. Roach buried. Uh, Donald, let us start with Christian Reeves. Are you in the camp? that Duke needs to think about the big man rotation and that Christian Reeves needs to be getting minutes. First off, Christian Reeves in blue right scrimmages equals Christian Reeves all American. That was that is a yeah that is a fact that cannot be disputed. We have two years of solid evidence that this man becomes an all American basketball player when the lights are on him during the blue white scrimmage. Yo, can can I remind everyone really quickly what he did a year ago just so folks yeah. remember he was four for four from the field, three for three from the free throw line. He had 11 points, five rebounds, and again, three block shots and an assist. The, it, like almost an identical line year to year. The only difference was he didn't hit his free throws this time. He hit them last time. So that's the difference in, in his points. But other than that, almost literally identical from Christian Reeves last year and this year. Yeah. And I think, you know, one thing people need to understand, you know, Jason, you, I, Sam, we are very good at overanalyzing scrimmage videos throughout the entire summer. And then we're the ones that come on and we see the blue-white scrimmage. We're the first ones to tell you, hey, don't take a lot into the blue-white scrimmage and, and how guys may play. It's a little sloppy. It's rusty. It's obviously an all-star game meant for show. Having said that, I think there are some questions about how they line up, at least you know depth chart-wise, 
for the big men because as Sam mentioned, Christian Reeves got the start over Sean Stewart, who we pegged to be a guy who would factor in heavily into this equation. So I, I'm I'm hesitant to say that that means anything beyond what we just saw on Friday night. But I think the real telltale sign is going to be when we see them line up against UNC Pembroke in that exhibition game on November 1st. That's going to be where we – because that's the first time that we see this team of – what, 14, 15 guys all play together with one basketball. It's not five versus five or seven versus seven where they're trading shots and everyone's on the same team going against each other. This is the first time they go up against people that are not in Duke blue. And that is going to be my telltale sign of how this lineup and how these rotations are going to be set. And again, the exhibition game is going to be where they kind of find two things. You're going to start to see that. And I, I'm, not sure what that means for Christian Reeves. Having said that, I think if if it were me, if I'm sitting and could, John Shire calls me up and says, hey, D, what do you think about Christian Reeves? I think that he has earned at least a, a, an opportunity to show that he should be able to get some minutes. And I think that is where um, that's when the question is for for the UNC Pember game and beyond. Has he earned those those opportunities? I think the answer is yes, but we have to wait until November 1st to find out. So I just want to remind everybody that when we got when Donald and I got a chance to watch 50 minutes of practice footage where there was definitely a starters in white and subs in blue, and they gradually brought some of the subs over to the white team. Christian Reeves was one of those guys who never made it onto the white team. And I came on this podcast and I said, that says to me that he's not in the rotation. And by the way, Sean Stewart did go on to that white team considerably earlier than than Christian Reeves. In fact, Sean Stewart went on to it before TJ Power did. So I I think it is entirely possible that what we saw at Countdown to Crazius was for a second year in a row, a little bit of a mirage. And that despite as good as Christian Reeves looked in that setting, he may not be in the rotation. And I'm going to tell you, Donald, what I think the key here is. The big question that we don't know the answer to yet that I'm not even sure if John Shire knows the answer to yet is does Kyle Filipowski play the four or the five? The truth is he plays both in all likelihood, but the real question, how much time does Kyle Filipowski play at the five? I am starting to come around to the belief that the way to get Duke's best players on the floor the most is for Kyle Filipowski to play the five 20 plus minutes a game. And in a situation like that, Christian Reeves has a tough time finding the floor because I'm telling you, Ryan Young is going to be playing minutes. And I think that Duke's probably going to want to give Sean Stewart at least some time. And in a case like that, Christian Reeves is, is, is probably out of the rotation. If, if, however, they decide that Kyle Filipowski is such a mis mismatch at the four and that they want him more on the perimeter and they don't want him picking up fouls guarding big men in the post, then if there are, if Kyle Filipowski's playing maybe 10 minutes at the five every game. Well, then you're talking about a situation where Duke's big man depth needs to get a little bit longer. They need to find a few more minutes. And that could be a case where we have a situation where Christian Reeves is playing, if not every game, almost every game, and perhaps getting as much as five to seven minutes. Speaking of Kyle Filipowski, I, I think all of what you said is correct. And if you look at Kyle Filipowski, remember on Friday, that was really the first time that we have seen. And again, we've seen a lot of scrimmage. That was the first time right. we have seen him play five on five. And yeah, whatever they did this summer to prepare him for this, A plus to the to the Duke staff because he looked great uh, on Friday night. He had the, the best dunk of the night. He yammed over. Yeah, Sean yeah. Stewart. by the way, I, I, I'm, I'm very concerned that the police have a warrant out because Kyle Filipowski committed murder on that play. It was yeah. it was very concerning. I. Uh, any grand jury would indict him for murder for what he did to that basket. The, the video evidence is right there, Jason. Like that, this this, yeah. is, this is an open and shut case. <laughs> but yeah, it, he did he did great. And I think yeah, the question you know the answer to your question is you know I don't know whether or not he's going to play at the four and five because honestly, if you do play him at the four, that means that Ryan Young is starting. And we've seen we've seen that happen, especially in the first part of last year, mainly because Derek Lively was was out. But we've seen a lineup that features you know, these, you know, three of these four, actually these five starters, right? The guys that are returning, 
we've seen a lineup that has Tyrese Proctor, Jeremy Roach, Mark Mitchell, Cal Filipowski, and Ryan Young. And it worked. So maybe he's going off of that, maybe at least to start the season and see how guys kind of play into it. And kind of also, remember, we have some big games this season early on. We have the Arizona game. We have the, you know, uh, the Michigan State game. So maybe it's a case of when you're not sure what you want to go with, you lean on your your veterans to show the way. And maybe that's the catch here. And if that's the case, then yeah, Jason, he is playing the four. That means Ryan Young is starting. And then you maybe have an opportunity for Sean Stewart, TJ Power, and Christian Leaves, Christian Reeves to carve out some minutes at that five position. I just don't know where his head is at. And honestly, he can go both ways. And I'm not it, and honestly, I don't know if I have a preference. I think the idea is to get the best players on the floor for most of the time. And if that's the case, then we know who the four are. The question is, who is that fifth person? And that can be earned through practice. Yeah. So you just mentioned the word best players. You mentioned the word veterans. And I want to move our conversation now to the guy who I thought was the best player in the blue-white scrimmage, a guy who is the veteran of the team, played the most minutes of anybody in a Blue Devil uniform, and that is Jeremy Roach. I think it is easy for Duke fans to sort of look at these shiny new toys of Jared McCain and uh, and Caleb Foster and go, ooh, look at these freshmen, who how, how exciting they are, these guys who look like they have NBA futures and all this other kind of stuff, and forget that we've got a steady, experienced senior in Jeremy Roach who, frankly, looks a little bit to me like he's on his way to having a Quinn Cookish kind of senior season. Um, Jeremy Roach was the best three-point shooter out there on the floor that, uh, you know, uh, on on Friday night, hit three of six three-pointers, ends up with 12 points, just was nothing but steady. He had a couple steals. It looked like while everyone else, and I mean everyone else, maybe not Tyrese Proctor, Everyone else seemed like it was moving fast for them. I think for Jeremy Roach, everything was in slow motion. Like, dude has done this a million times. He knew where he was going. And Donald, I'm going to say it right now, when it comes time to predict who will be Duke's leading scorer this season, I'm not committing to picking Jeremy Roach, but boy, I really might. It would not surprise me at all if Jeremy Roach, as a senior, ends up leading Duke in scoring this year. Jason, I'm going to use a golf analogy. Jeremy Roach is our seven iron. When you think about golf, everyone, the, 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 the motto, or at least the mantra for a lot of people is drive for show, putt for dough. We focus on the people who can drive long. We focus on the people who can putt well. But every single time, there are people for me, the seven iron, every single time, tried and true. I hit the same way every single time. Sometimes that saves me. Sometimes that puts me in a great position to be successful. And sometimes it is the star in my bag the seven iron is always there he is always going to give you what he gives you and every single time is going to be perfect and even when it's not perfect it puts you in a position to be successful that is jeremy roach and this year we may need more seven irons because we have the drivers we have the putters we have all the other you know clubs in the bag but we need that seven iron to remain true and that could be jeremy roach I don't know if he's going to lead the team in scoring, but honestly, there may be games where he doesn't have to because, again, he can be the guy. He, he's he got to be the barometer. He's got to be the guy who knows what we need on the floor. And as the captain, he needs to know how to get guys motivated to be in the best positions to succeed. I'm I'm really looking forward to seeing how Jeremy Roach does over the year because if he can be that tried and true player game in and game out, that consistency may help our team any more, you know, way more than him trying to score 30 points in a game. All right. So we've talked a little bit about Roach, talked a little bit about Flip. We certainly talked about my man, Christian Reeves. I want to hit two other veterans very quickly. Two other guys that we know will be starting, Mark Mitchell and uh, and Tyrese Proctor. I thought both of them gave you about what you would have expected from them. Tyrese Proctor, I, I love there was one point where he, he sort of unveiled a little bit of a shake and bake, like a step back kind of thing that mm-hmm. ended up with him making a pass to Christian Reeves. It was a thing of beauty. Uh, I thought Tyrese Proctor just, he had three assists and he just seemed in control the whole time he was out there playing. He missed both his three pointers. That's fine. I can live with that. Cause he, we know he's going to make him at some point, but I thought Proctor just 
seemed the the epitome of a steady point guard who made the guys on his team better. I'm not surprised that his team was the one that shot a high percentage and just seemed to, you know, have things go well for them uh, again and again uh, because he was he was a steadying influence the whole time. And then really quickly on Mark Mitchell, uh, didn't do a ton. Uh, I you know I think he was sort of you know it's tough for him not to be with the other guys who are the veterans. Uh, and, and I, you know, I, I think that hurt his ability to get the ball in the right kind of spots. He had two really, really nice drives that he ended up finishing with layups. I, I feel like he probably could have done that more often if you, if you really needed to. Um, and he was the, the, you know, the typical good steady defensive player that we always expect from, from Mark Mitchell. What about anything on those two guys? The Tyrese Proctor magic Johnson, no look pass was awesome. I think it was, that might've been the second best yeah. play of the day to, you know, Kyle Filipowski's attempt at murder. Um, but yeah, it, it was the, the idea with Mark Mitchell is in a, again, in an all-star game, defense is not rewarded with, with highlights. And so it's yeah. okay for him to be that steady defensive player because yeah, it may not get the highlights. He may not get on the sports center with any, any highlight reels, but when you look at the stat sheet, you're going to be like, oh man, Mark Mitchell contributed. That's what I'm hoping for him for the season. All right. So let's go through, let's go through some of the freshmen now. Just really quick hits on each one of these guys. I'm going to toss them to you. Give me like two sentences, if you can, on each one. Start with Jared McCain. What would you think? I thought it was fine. He, I think he missed a couple of shots, but the shot still looks good. And again, I want to see him in competition with against guys that don't know him and have not played against him all summer. Yeah, yeah. My takeaway on him was that he could get the shots he wanted. Like he ended up taking eight field goals. I like that from him. I want him with a high volume of field goals taken. Uh, he didn't knock him down as well as he'd like, as well as he knows he's capable of. But I agree with you. I think that when he's not playing against guys who know his game a little bit better, he's going to be very crafty in, in getting that shot off. All right, next one for you, Caleb Foster. I thought he was fine. I mean, he had a couple of drives, and I thought that was cool. But, I mean, again, I, I want to see him continue to be consistent. We talked about that in the uh, in the episode last. More consistency from him and for him to be able to do that game in and game out and give us – what he what he does best i i'm looking forward to see him and continue to improve that yeah he had a couple turnovers that, that weren't great um I, caleb foster showed he he can get into the lane he can get to the basket he can use his physicality uh his finishing could be a little bit better but he and mccain i think both of them are guys that uh may not start out the season on fire but by december or january i think are going to be in really really good shape uh talk to me a little bit about what you saw from tj power I mean, TJ Power, I didn't see too much from him. At least that was noteworthy. But I do think that, again, he needs to be able to be consistent to try and carve out some time in that big man uh, in that big man rotation. Yeah, I, th- I think he may struggle to get minutes, especially early on. He and Jaden Shoot both knocked down their first three-pointers. I was really happy to see that for both of them. I think that's a good confidence for them. They, they each later went on to miss a three-pointer, but, but that's okay. I, uh, you know, knocking one down. 50% is perfectly fine with me. You're not asking um, TJ Power to shoot five threes a game. So if he's not, if he's knocking one down a game and he's only taking one or two, cool. I'm cool with that. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Uh, last one that I think we probably need to talk about is is Sean Stewart. Uh, we mentioned him very briefly earlier on. I, I did want to note one thing about Sean Stewart. that He had that play where he grabbed a rebound. He sort of looked around and recognized that uh, I'm not, it wasn't Ryan Young, maybe it was Christian Reeves, whoever was sort of guarding him was sort of even with him and wasn't getting back yet. And Sean Stewart went, Oh, okay, I'm taking this baby coast to coast. And he took off. Now, he ended up missing the layup at the end of it. He made a nice move, by the way, to get all the way to the basket when, when the defense came to him and realized we got to stop this. <laughs> this guy's got a full head of steam. We got to divert him a little bit. And he missed the layup. That's okay. He showed his athleticism, he showed his skill. And I still think that there are great, great things with him um, coming in the future. I think Sean Stewart is going to struggle uh, early on with with the quality of other big men at this level. I mean, frankly, he he struggled with Christian Reeves. A lot of the damage that Christian Reeves did was when Sean Stewart was in the game. And and frankly, I noticed a little bit of there was some switching and things that went on where I feel like Sean Stewart, I don't want to say he got lost, but he wasn't quite in the spot you needed him to be. Now, that said, I think I'm pretty sure Sean Stewart had a really nice block shot at one point. And, and again, I just, I feel like he is someone who, who is going to grow into a larger role with Duke, but I have a feeling that early on 
you know, especially we were talking about, you know, is Christian Reeves going to get minutes? I think early on you may see Christian Reeves get minutes that Sean Stewart eats into over the course of the season. I want Sean Stewart to trust his instincts more. And I think the the play that you mentioned where he grabbed the rebound and saw that he was even with Christian Reeves and said, I'm just going to go end to end and try to try to knock this thing down. That is a classic example of him trusting his instincts and saying, hey, I have an opening here. Let's take it. And he's not going to get a lot of those opportunities. So I want him to trust his instincts more. They're getting him in the good positions. He just needs to be have the confidence to follow it through to success. Just really quick, I did want to mention that a year ago, Jalen Blakes had an outstanding countdown to craziness scrimmage. He had 10 points, as you may recall. Um, everyone came out of it talking about Christian Reeves, but Jalen Blakes was the other guy that everyone was sort of talking about out of countdown. Very, very quiet performance this year. I think, look, we know what Jalen Blakes is going to give us. He's going to be steady. He's going to, you know, give you minutes when you need them uh, as a as a defensive pest. But he's probably not going to play a major role, especially in significant, you know, ACC games and and late in the season, postseason games. Uh, anything else on CTC, or should we wrap this up and get to a break and then get to the football? For Jalen Blake's, you know, stay ready, so you got to get ready. That's the that's the that's the key for him. Because if you remember, yep. we said the same thing about him last year. And what do you know? There was a couple of times during the season where we had to, at least for a couple of weeks, where we had to rely on a lot of Jalen Blake's because we had injuries or we had, you know, guys that weren't playing well or in foul trouble. So Jalen Blake, stay ready because there's going to be a point in the season where you are going to be called upon. I think that goes for everybody on this roster. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward. To, you pointed this out earlier. I'm really looking forward to the scrimmage the, uh, that Duke is going to play in the in the next week or so. Um, and getting a chance to hear about that. I'm also looking forward to Duke has a secret scrimmage, which is not a secret at all, coming up in about uh, four or five days uh, against Villanova. They're and, coming up here. And, yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it's going to be really, really fun to, to you know, I'm sure we'll get like, you know, little hints. We may even get a box score. Last year we got a box score. Um, we'll probably get some highlights and stuff like that. But I'm really interested in seeing like what the rotations are, who's playing the most and all that other kind of stuff uh, and a good test against a, a team that is consistently good. And whatever we hear about that, we will bring to all of you until then we still got football to talk about. We got to take a quick break. When we come back from the break, the blue devils versus Florida state. This is a heartbreak. Even though the final score looks outrageous, this is a heartbreaker for Duke fans. That story in just a moment. This episode of the Duke basketball roundup is sponsored by BetterHelp. Springtime is the season that's supposed to feel like a new beginning. We have better weather, and it feels like everyone gains a boost of energy. However, for many, leaving winter behind doesn't always mean that their mood lightens up with the extra sunlight. We all carry around stress, and that stress can build as more events get added to your calendar. That's certainly true, Donald. And with the amount of social gatherings increasing with the improving weather and more daylight... There's more pressure to be on when you're interacting with family, friends, coworkers, even strangers, even when stress has you a little bit down. And for some, getting advice from a therapist can help you tackle some of that stress without affecting you or the people you care about. That's what BetterHelp is all about. It's entirely online, and it's designed to be therapy that's convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You just fill out a brief questionnaire, and get matched with a professional licensed therapist. And you can switch therapists anytime you want. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try and find your social sweet spot. Visit betterhelp.com slash Duke Roundup today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Duke Roundup. Okay, we're back from the break, and uh, this is not going to be fun. But we're going to talk about the Blue Devils' loss to the Florida State Seminoles in football. Duke came into this game ranked number sixteen. Florida was number four. We come out of the game. Florida still number Florida State still number four. Duke falls to number twenty twenty one in the polls as a result of a game where Florida State won at home, thirty eight to twenty was the final score. That is not in any way indicative of what this game was. Duke had a lead in the fourth quarter. In fact. 
I think a lot of people thought that Duke was probably going to win this game until Riley Leonard went out with an injury. And to say that the game flipped at that point, like doesn't even do it justice. It was so so different from the moment that Riley Leonard went down versus what happened prior to that. It, it It's like, you know, completely different team suddenly shows you what leadership means to this Duke team. Donald, give me your thoughts and impressions on on a game that was, you know, Duke on national television, the whole country watching. They saw that we can compete with the very best teams in the nation, at least for 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 three quarters and a little bit of extra time. Well, first off, hats off to Florida State. They played well and it was not a indication of or instance of Duke played terribly and in didn't in Florida State didn't deserve the win. They absolutely did. It was a great game. If you're a neutral, it sucked for us because we we are not neutrals. We are very partial uh in this game. But I thought Florida State played pretty well and I thought Duke played really well in the night as well. The defense, the first uh, I want to start with the defense because the first two series, you know, getting you know turnover on downs on both of those series and then going down and scoring a touchdown to take the lead, like that is where everyone was kind of like, oh, this Duke team came to play. And certainly they certainly did. I think the defense time and time again, they didn't give up a lot of big plays. Obviously, they gave up some first downs. Florida State was able to move the ball a little bit in the second half, um, especially in the fourth quarter when the defense just got tired. And as they were just tired because they were on the field quite a bit throughout the game. I think, Jason, not only did the game turn when Riley Leonard went down. If you think about it, it happened on a penalty. It was a face mask that that really launched him into the air. And oh, he it, was a br- it was a brutal face. It's one of the worst. Yeah. Now, I don't think the guy, I don't think it was intentional. It looked no, it to wasn't. Me like Absolutely not. He was reaching out, trying to grab Riley Leonard, ended up grabbing the face mask. And by the time you realize you're doing that, it's sort of impossible not to do it anymore. But it was a, that's one of the most brutal face masks that you'll see. He ripped his helmet right off his face. Yeah, he. I mean, he he even did it. The the lineman like grabbed the face mask, and as soon as it happened, he kind of like did the yank again. It was this momentum kind of carried through the yank, and he immediately would just like put his hands to his head, like, "Oh, I can't believe that happened." So it was definitely something where he wasn't trying to do it, and obviously, you know, he wasn't trying to take rival Leonard out of the game. But of course, that is a freak thing that happens where he launches him into the air awkwardly. He lands awkwardly on that ankle again. And he can't move. And and to be fair, it, it seemed like Riley Leonard throughout this game wasn't himself. And of, cl- of course, he's he was trying to tough it out with that injury, with the ankle coming back. But it was clear that the ankle was not ready. And what was most clear about it is that every single time he tried to throw a pass, anytime he tried to plant on that foot, it just didn't give him enough juice to make the passes that he we know he can make. It also made it where he was kind of neutralized on the run. He did have a couple times where he tucked the ball and run. He had he had one run for 13 yards. Yeah. The Duke game plan with a healthy Riley Leonard is more than one run for 13 yards. I guarantee you that. Yeah. And and it was one of those things where once that happened, right? There was a couple times where he had to stay in the pocket or at least try to throw the ball away because he couldn't run. And Florida State tried to basically get him into positions where he had to try and make a bad decision with the football. He didn't make a lot of bad decisions, but a lot of his incompletions were a result of him just not being able to plant on that foot and give it the proper, you know, mechanics that he needed to make those throws. And, you know, Henry Bielen, you know, God bless him. He came in in a very difficult situation. And I think, you know, there was a play where we could have gone for three points. We were on knocking on the doorstep, but it was fourth down. It was right after Ryan Linder got hurt. And at the end of that, we decide to go for it on Henry Bieland's first play from scrimmage. He throws an incompletion. I thought it was a decent throw. He just led the guy a little bit too far. But that was the momentum killer. Because once that happened, they Florida State marches all the way down the field, scores a touchdown, takes the lead, and that's the end of it. And it, it's it's unfortunate that the quarterback play uh, to, or, or on Saturday night was something that you know, again, like you said, it was something that you just can't really do much about. You have a guy that's injured. You have a guy who wasn't quite ready and was thrust into a you know a very big game at a very big moment and didn't probably have the full playbook. So he didn't have the full confidence of the coaching staff to punch it in there. 
But this is something where this game was one where Duke really, it feels like a loss because it feels like something that we could have had. If everything goes to, to goes to great, we, we, we toughed it out against a really good Florida state team. And we still were in there to the end. Like you said, the score doesn't indicate that, but I think if Duke is healthy, if Duke makes a couple of plays here and there, and if Duke just really has the confidence to finish out these games, we're sitting here talking about a different situation uh, this evening, but I do think this is going to help us moving forward because we, we can't rest. We got, we're going to Louisville next week, which is another big game in the ACC. And these guys have to kind of take that from last night, put it in the back of the memory and say, Hey, let's move forward and let's get this next game. Duke has now played seven games in this season. They have had a lead in the fourth quarter in all seven of those games. They did end up losing two of them to two excellent, excellent teams to, to two teams that are, you know, considered to be national title contenders year in and year out. No shame at all in any of that. And in fact, you know, it, it's an accomplishment that probably very few of us thought was possible for Duke this year for us to be as competitive as we've been with a, ch- with a schedule as challenging as it is. I'm really hoping, really, really hoping that Riley Leonard is able to get, if not fully healthy, healthy enough to play this game at Louisville, which is not going to be an easy game by any stretch of the imagination, uh, because this is clearly a different team with him out there than with Henry Bielan. Uh, again, don't don't blame Henry Bielan for that. He is a redshirt freshman doing his best, um, but the, the team quarterback's the most important position on the field, and the team can tell when it's Riley Leonard back there versus Henry Bielan. I, I, Donald, one thing I wanted to mention was I, I feel like the backbreaker, the moment that the game really changed wasn't so much when Duke didn't convert on that fourth down where they could have cooked the field goal, they chose not to. And where Florida state drives length of the field to take the, take the lead to me, the bigger thing was the very next series. So Florida state now leads 24 to 20. They kicked the ball to, to Duke and Henry Bielan had a pretty disastrous series. Duke goes three and out. They lost nine yards. They, they had one rush. They got blown up in the backfield. They had a, a procedure penalty. And then Henry Bielan had, two passes that frankly neither one of them were very close to being completed and and you could just sense at that moment that that duke had lost all its confidence you mentioned confidence earlier but but to me and again i don't blame henry bielan for this at all but i think the team all went oh wow you know what are we going to do and i think especially for the defense it was tough because they, they had been out there for a 98 yard 96 yard drive by Florida State that had given Florida State the lead. They literally come over, they sit down for a second, they look up and we're punting the ball again. You're just like, whoa, uh. And and that's when I think Duke really got exhausted and the superior athleticism and speed and physicality of the Florida State team started to take over. I, I don't know that it would have happened, you know, ha- if Duke even gets one first down on that series, if Henry Bielan even completes one pass and 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 presents himself as a little bit of a, of a threat as a passer because what happened was Florida State started to load up on the run. They were just like, this, the, you know, Duke's afraid to pass the ball. Uh, if if those things happen, I think that Duke still has a chance in this game. I think you know, first off, there was a couple other plays that I wanted to make note. I mean, I thought again, Duke came right out and went right at him. You know, uh, was it Jacquez Moore with the forty-two yard touchdown run? Uh, the first touchdown of the game. I think the one thing that might've been a backbreaker when you look back at it, and even in the moment, it kind of felt like one. We had a pick six on Jordan Travis. Was Jordan Travis' yeah. second interception of the year. We have a pick six. We're up 17 to seven. And on the ensuing kickoff, Florida State runs it back 99 yards for I, a touchdown. I, uh, and we talk about- I can't limiting- believe we kicked it off to the middle. I, I, as dangerous as they are, I would have been kicking it through the end zone every time. And here's the thing. When you look at the replay, there was no lane for that guy. He just kind of snuck through a very small sliver. But, hey, that's exactly why some of these guys are, are playing on, are going to be playing on Sundays or, or, or at least returning kicks on Sundays because that was a, a an excellent play. But at the end of the day, when you think about it, we could have had this game going into halftime, maybe 20 to 7, maybe 20 to 14. Instead, it was 20 to 17, and it felt like, oh, we're just trying to hold on as opposed to this team here has a commanding lead and has the confidence to finish it off, at least have the buffer to finish it off. That was one where I think it was just a super backbreaker. We talk about limiting big plays. That was a really big play, and it's unfortunate that it came on the heels of us making a big play. It kind of neutralized all that momentum. 
Hey, I do want to point out, it seems crazy to say, in a game where Florida State scored 38 points, I thought our defense was outstanding. They they really kept, for, you know, up until the end of the fourth quarter, we kept a dynamic offensive team completely under control. Uh, our defense shows again and again and again that there's no team in the country that's going to feel comfortable scoring on the Duke Blue Devils. And again, I, I think that 38 is absolutely not indicative at all of of the actual effort that went into um, went into the game on on the part of the Duke defense. Well, the whole Duke team, but the defense especially, I thought was was really just excellent. And I think everyone else Duke plays the rest of this year um, is going to really struggle to score. I'm, I'm dying to see us play North Carolina, which is another team that puts up big big numbers on offense because I think our defense can stymie anyone. Jason, just looking ahead, I know we're going to talk about. Uh, the Louisville game, which is the next game. We'll talk about that in depth later this week. But I just want to have people point out, again, we're going to Louisville next Saturday. They are 18th in the in the country right now, playing very well. I know they had just had a loss a couple of weeks ago, but they are playing very, very well. Then we come home for a short week. We have a Thursday game at home against Wake Forest. I would not be surprised, Jason, if we don't see Riley Leonard against Louisville and see if we can get him almost two weeks off to rest that ankle and bring them back for Wake Forest. Because again, after that is the game, the big game, the game at UNC, followed by a game at Virginia, where Virginia, who just beat Carolina yesterday uh, at Carolina. So, and then we finish off against Pitt. But I think, you know, this is a, a, a stretch where we have to make sure we are at our best. And I wonder if they are deciding if a 75% Riley Leonard is really the best thing for this team or if we need to get him to 100%. Because as you said, when he's in the game, you want him to be able to do all the things that he does well. And if he can't, it changes the complexion of this team. And it's not his fault because, you know, it's an injury. That's what happens. But I wonder if they're going to say, hey, you know, Henry, you're the guy. Get us back to where we need to go and give him the confidence to say, hey, they're giving me the ball. I can be myself. And maybe the playbook's not as as in-depth but at least I have the confidence to go out and do execute the way I know I can execute without having to look over my back to see if number 13 is about to check in the game. So I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do this week to not only get Riley Leonard back to 100%, but to get Henry Beelan's confidence back as well. Yeah, we'll, we'll hear from Mike Elko during this upcoming week as to whether or not uh, you know Riley Leonard is progressing at a, at a pace that would allow him to potentially play on, on Saturday. I, I'll tell you that I hope that he does. Uh, I, I I hear the argument about wanting him to be fully rested and back to 100. percent I'll be honest with you; these games are too important. There is still a very very viable path. In fact, Duke controls their own destiny in terms of making the ACC championship game. I would love to play Florida State again with a healthy Riley Leonard on a neutral field for the ACC championship game because I think this Duke team is good enough to beat them and. That's the path I want I want to have happen. And you know, if we lose to Louisville, I think that it becomes almost impossible. more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Not, more like difficult say, at almost, the very least. Yeah. Yeah. Almost impossible, I think, for for Duke to to do that if we if we lose any of these remaining games. So they're too important. And and frankly, Riley Leonard on on Saturday night was begging to go back in the game. And Mike Elko had to say, No, no, the doctors say I cannot let you back in the game. Um I, I think there's no way you're gonna be able to keep him out against Louisville. He's gonna he's gonna want to play. Yeah, absolutely. I, and again, it's it's not. This is where uh, I'm not getting paid to make that big decision, right? That's, yeah, that's Mike Elko <laughs> and the coaching staff and the training staff uh, and the medical staff. So I don't envy that position because it's it's a difficult position to be in. Because yes, I'm sure they want Riley Litter on the field, but also is it at the expense of again, you know, neutralizing some of the things that he does well, and also. Are you robbing Peter to pay Paul? Like if he get again, if he gets yeah. hurt in this game, could he be out longer? And now you're really in a position where you have to go with Henry Beelan. So yeah, it's I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing what they do with that this week. Riley Leonard's obviously going to try to get himself ready as quickly as possible. The question is, do we use them against Louisville? I, I don't know that answer, and I don't I don't know if I like either answer, right? But it's it's definitely the position that we are in right now. All right. Well, with that, we're going to wrap it up here on episode five, four, six of the Duke Basketball Roundup. Sam, thanks for joining us at the start. Donald, thanks for joining me throughout. I am Jason Evans. And this, by the way, this is the Duke Band. 
They're here to play us out and take us home. Yeah, and we'll probably also hopefully be talking a little bit about what the tea leaves are saying about Cooper Flag and Patrick uh, Gongba and VJ mm-hmm. uh, Edge. Yeah, Edgecomb. Uh, Edgecomb, yeah. Um, didn't mention them at all on this on this edition because I've looked, I haven't seen anything to say about it. So, it's- all I saw was Cooper Flag holding the baby. <laughs> and they all. Well, and, you- oh, we forgot to talk about how John Shire um, went to join the crowd with the crazies. Um, I, I did you read the? Uh, uh, did you were you in the chat uh, for the line monitors? They were talking no, about no. So he was reading the dirt sheet and was just like, "Wait, that's what that. you're coming up with?" Yeah, so that's that, pretty yeah. funny. Now he, he gets to see he gets to see how all this is made from both sides. So yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah, yeah. I, I heard he said that that's the one and only time he will ever sit with the crazies. You know, countdown to craziness is like the perfect time, perfect moment for him to do it. I wonder if also he wanted to maybe go over there and hang out with Cooper Flag just a little bit. Just a oh, little sure. Bit. I mean, the guys are there like, oh, our coach just comes sits with the students along with the rest of them. Like, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's a people's man. He's a man of the people. Yeah, I, I, man, I have to wonder. I mean, like, look, if you're Cooper Flag, you went up to UConn and you saw them get their ass kicked in football by the Duke football team. By Duke. Team. <laughs> right. By Duke. You, didn't see, you didn't see any fan stuff going on. Although maybe he's from Maine. It's maybe that he's seen – UConn games in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if he has. But then to come down and see for a blue-white exhibition, the way Countdown just lights up the stadium, I mean, I don't know what the guy's going to decide, but, man, it'd be awful hard not to pick Duke after a situation like that. It, I, I was basically just like, oh, so are the Cameron crazies just going to, like, you know, barricade them in the stands and be like, hey, you know, we all got to <laughs> go, but you stay here until you commit, and then you can come outside and join us in Kville. Um, it would be great to get all three. That'd be super, yeah. super special. Um, for again, the 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 allure of like countdown, and that's basically what it's made for, right? Is part of that is to kind of see, hey, guys, next year this could be you, you know, walking out to the your your favorite song and having you know fans stream your name and all that. Like, it's a very it's a very nice spectacle. Uh, that contrasts with a football game where said team is getting blasted. I don't, by the way, I don't know how Shire does it. Like the notion that, and look, these guys are absolutely, there's no question that Cooper Flagg, Patrick Gomba, and and VJ Edgecombe are seriously considering coming to Duke. When you look at what the roster's probably going to be next year, I mean, I, you know, it's sort of like this year. I'm like, how is TJ Power, how is Con Gnupple coming to Duke? You know, like all these guys, I'm like, how is Isaiah Evans coming? No one knows who, you know, where's the playing time going to be? You're a top 15, top 10, top five recruit. Where's the playing time? But Sean Shard just keeps on convincing all these guys come here. And it's, it's amazing. It is so much fun. It's, it's his comp, it's his competitive spirit. Like, yeah, it's awesome.